Welcome to the book club that sure isn't your mom's romance book club, but it is my mom's. I'm Ellen, and joining me as always is my mom. Hi, mom. How's it going? Hi, Ellen. It's going fantastic. <laughs> Good. Someday I want you to just say that you're doing awful. Uh, okay, so today we are going <laughs> my life to be talking. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about Lord of Scoundrels by Loretta Chase, and then later about some of the different ways these books appeal to us in our uh, differing points of life. But first, Mom, I haven't read much the past couple weeks, so this is instead going to be an intervention. The first step to admitting <laughs> is admitting you have a problem. So tell the nice people how big your Winston Brothers problem has become. <laughs> You're among friends. I was even thinking, I hope she doesn't ask me what I've been reading because it's embarrassing. <laughs> okay. Yes, it's quite possible that I spent the last two weeks not rereading. No. Nay. No. <laughs> <laughs> I re-listened to all of the audible versions of the books. Some of which okay. you had already listened to previously. Yes. Yes, and all of which I'd already read. Yeah. I, I, it's like my Brokeback Mountain. I can't quit this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every time I call mom, she's just been like, uh, I've been listening to that book again. I'm like, again, mom? Like, what the heck? I mean, I like them too, but she's Louise. I've... Okay, 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 okay. I have, I've done some... Cognitive interventions. Some soul searching. <laughs> I have done some soul searching. Some psychoanalysis of why <laughs> I can't walk away from these Winston brothers. And I've come up with some things. And this actually might tie into what we're talking going to talk about later. Hmm. Um, so here's my thing. Because I was, as I was listening to these books again, well, there's two things. But the main thing is, I was like, why am I so intrigued by these boys in this family and I've come to this conclusion Ellen and this is probably because I'm 56 and not 20 something or 30 something I want to go take care of these boys I want to go take care of these poor you know wee motherless mongrels I want to I want to uh bake apple pie for them and I want to make their Thanksgiving dinner and I well, want I to do too but to in a different way apparently I apparently but I, I want and it's more than that, though, because there's more to it than that. I want Jethro to come over and finish all the stuff I need done around my house. And I want Cletus and... to take over my retirement package and, and make it into, a, you know, millions of dollars for me. And I want Bo and, and Dwayne to be here to fix my car for me. And So it's like a copacetic relationship. Like, it is. Give a I want to bake with Jen. I want to talk about teaching with Jessica. I want to... I want Selena Gomez to get me into... Um... Selena Gomez. Sienna Diaz. <laughs> Freudian slippers. <laughs> Sienna Diaz. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, pull it together. I want her to get me into Comic-Con, and so I can go back there you go. and meet people. And yeah. um, so I've just been wrapped up in that world, and I couldn't walk away. So that's one thing. Yeah, that's about the yeah. only thing you've been doing. That's about the only thing, weeks. because here's the deal, Ellen. And I'm sorry, and I don't know why this is such a thing for me. I know nothing about the guy who reads those books. <laughs> you knew you were going to bring this up. <laughs> if he has not adopted his Jethro voice as his everyday voice, that is a missed opportunity, my friend, because he could be at McDonald's ordering chicken nuggets with Szechuan sauce. 
And women would just walk up to him and say, here are my panties. I must give these to <laughs> Your voice compels me. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Mom? I'm not kidding, Ellen. <laughs> Mom in this guy's away. voice. She She's always like, uh, the Tennessee sex voice is haunting me. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe everyone in Tennessee talks that way. I don't think I've ever been there. But um, if it is, I can't ever move there because I'd never get a thing done. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> but yes, I really like that guy's voice. His Jethro voice especially is like just does it for me. So those are the two things. Those are the two reasons. One is very motherly and one is very depraved. <laughs> uh, okay. Sorry, you brought it up. Yeah. Well, that was your intervention. So uh, I'm, glad that, I'm glad that we, we've we come. It's a 12-step process, Mom. Um, so we also wanted to say, um, well, when I tweeted out the link to our last episode, um, Penny Reed shared that link and tweeted about it. And we've had so many people um, that have started following us and sending nice messages, and it's been a lot of fun for us. Um, so just thanks so much, and welcome to any new listeners. I told Mom, I'm like, okay, if we got all these new listeners by doing a contemporary, we're going to have to do more contemporaries, and you're on board, right? I'll be on board. Hopefully I won't react this way to all of them. She's yeah. <laughs> Mom is retiring at the end of this year, so uh, you're gonna I have a lot more time. To work. I can't come to work today. I got Winston Brothers on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there. Luckily, I think oh, you'll have just you'll be close to retiring when the next Winston Brothers book comes out. Yeah. Otherwise, that you would be like the um, lost to the world. Yeah, you might not want to tell Penny Reed about this one because she might think. Okay, this lady's a crazy person. <laughs> Never mind, I'm not retweeting this one. <laughs> this is not the image I want to convey of my fans. <laughs> Depraved old ladies who <sighs> sit in their car alone and listen to the audiobook. <laughs> well, it's not like that. <laughs> the other thing, too, in my defense is uh, I usually listen to a news podcast when I'm driving around in my car. And I'm sorry, I don't like the news these days. I'd much rather listen to the Winston it's Brothers true. than it is depressing. the news. So I was just too like, oh, I can't bring myself to listen to the news. Okay, I'll listen to the Winstons. Yeah. I honestly have not read any book in the past couple weeks except for um, the one that we are going to be talking about today. And uh, But I've been watching a lot of Hallmark movies. They've already started Christmas movies. You're welcome, America. Um, I watched all of Stranger Things Part 2. Really good. Love it. And I've been watching all the fall TV is back, so I've been watching a lot of the returning fall TV shows. So that's been my couple weeks. Well, that's a different podcast, honey. I know, it's true. It is. But that's what, you know, I have to account for something. But yes, I need to move. I need to move on, Ellen. I, I think I'm going to leave the Winstons behind for a little while. <laughs> Until they come calling again. We need. Yeah, you will. I know you will. Um, we need Billy's book, right? Like that, when we that happens, we're going to be a mess. And I would kind of like the audio version of uh, Bo's book. So 
Oh, did you get on that for me? (laughs) Yeah, I think they're on that. I think it's supposed to come out this week, so you'll probably get sucked back in again. (laughs) I'm doomed. I'm doomed. Yeah. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about Lord of Scoundrels by Loretta Chase. It is technically the third novel in her Scoundrels series, but this could definitely be read as a standalone. Um, The back cover description reads, Tough-minded Jessica Trent's sole intention is to free her nitwit brother from from the destructive influence of Sebastian Ballister, the notorious Marquess of Dane. She never expects to desire the arrogant, amoral cad, and when Dane's reciprocal passion places them in a scandalously compromising and public position, Jessica is left with no choice but to seek satisfaction. Damn the minx for tempting him, kissing him, and then forcing him to salvage her reputation. Lord Dane can't wait to put the infuriating blue stocking in her place and in some amorous position. And if that means marriage, so be it. Though Sebastian is less than certain he can continue to remain aloof and steal his heart to the sensuous, headstrong lady's considerable charms. So... Mom, what did you think of Lord of Scoundrels? When I talked to you and I was like halfway through the book, my thought was, I'm not sure I like this book because Mm. I had a hard time warming up to this guy. He was, I mean, I know everyone likes a reformed rake, but Mm -hmm. he he was almost, I mean, all the prostitutes and all the, (laughs) it's almost more than I could take. Um, However, he very much redeemed himself and which I guess is the whole point of the book and yeah. I liked it I loved it by the end of the book I yeah. really like because we talked about the um witty repartee that they have and I do there's a couple things I really liked I liked how he could insult her or tease her and she was just unflappable she would just go with it all yeah. the time she was she was awesome I thought she was awesome through the whole book yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, I don't want to be phlegmy this time. I was phlegmy last time. I don't want to be phlegmy. Mom was um, really embarrassed about how phlegmy she was last time. <laughs> I was like, oh, I sound so phlegmy. So she was wonderful, but I really liked how they, um, I don't know, the machinations that they took to get into each other's, I don't know, it's just like she would have something, like when she shot him, I guess we're giving away stuff, but yeah, <clears throat> when she shot him, uh, that whole thing played out just like she, I mean, she had it all planned the way it would all play out. I mean, the whole thing was planned and, um, to, you know, see how it all unfolded was, it was just fun to watch how they kind of whittled their way into each other's lives. Yeah. So I love, love, love her. She is probably up there with like one of my favorite, uh, heroines. I love that she like doesn't let him get away with anything, but she's also, not whiny or like dramatic or she doesn't blame him when he doesn't change the way she wants him to kind of, you know, or at the rate that she wants him to. Um, I just, I loved her. I love, um, just how headstrong and how smart and things that like that, that she was. Um, I also love their banter. I love, um, you know, all the things when he would kind of, insult her and she'd be like oh you're making me swoon (laughs) (laughs) and he's like don't I can't come pick you up right now so don't don't swoon now yeah and you know just all these things like he would he would give like the smallest little inkling of 
you know, attraction or love for her. And she would just latch onto it and be like, oh, you compliment me so admirably and just things like that. And I just love, I love that. Um, so the first time I read this, I seem to remember reading it like really quickly. This time it took me a really long time to get into it. I don't know what was going on with me. Um, maybe I've just been out of reading mode. And so like getting back into it was a little harder. Um, we had previously talked about, um, kind of keeping all of his friends straight, kind of got a little complicated at some points. And I even looked to see if any of these people were like the characters in previous books, but they're all single. So, um, there is apparently in the second book, it's about the Comte d'Esmond, which they mentioned, but it seemed like he was single in this book. So I couldn't tell if it, remember the guy who was like angelic and, um, so I don't, I don't know what's going on there, but I loved, I speak Italian. So I loved all the Italian, you know, this, I love that he's just like, he's so tortured and like, doesn't even know it. And I love that she like sees that in him and is kind of able to fix him in the way that he needed to be fixed not in like, and i do have to way. admit that i sobbed like a wee babe at a couple different points in this book i figure they all were points where dominic was involved right yeah when he um first started taking care of his son i was like oh. yeah i figured that was yeah. it i got a little weepy in that part too so yeah so do you want to dive into these questions that i came up with yes I will dive. Okay. So, do you agree with me? I think that you do because of something that you've said already. But do you agree with me that his past needed to catch up with him somehow? And do you think that Dominic was the best way for that to happen? Well, first of all, <clears throat> there was no reason to tell us all of his past unless it was going to catch up with him somehow. Yeah, it's I mean, true. They, the book went to great lengths to explain his history. And, um, and history and I'm glad with that... specific people. Right. You know, that ended up playing a part. And I'm glad that they did. I'm glad that because the whole thing with his mother and about how she was trying to point out, look, your mother was trying to do what was best for you. That's, you know, that's maybe she went about it wrong. Maybe she didn't do, you know, what you would have done, but she did what she thought was best for you. And um, his dad, a bit of a douche, the, the history and it needed to catch up with him because I think that's what made him so horrible and that's why I had a hard time with him at the beginning of the book mm-hmm. and I think that yeah I think Dominic was a good way to do it because Dominic was the same age he was when his mom left Dominic was going through a lot of what he went through as a tortured child mm-hmm. and um it kind of helped him see himself through his son yeah his son looked looked a lot like him <laughs> yeah definitely yeah I was um I I liked that there was kind of a consequence to his actions. I feel like a lot of these like reformed rake stories, they just are horrible people who sleep around and gamble a lot of money and they're still rich and syphilis free and all these things. (laughs) So I like that, um, you know, it still played a part in, in the story, but I also like that, you know, she married him, she knew who he was, and I like that she didn't, like, hold that against him. Not that I think many romance heroines would, but there 
there was an opportunity probably as an author to kind of put some questioning within her as to, you know, like, oh, how could he not tell me about this bastard son and things like that? But instead she's just like, nope, we got to take care of this kid. Like, you know, she cares only about the kid's welfare and the fact if she's mad at him for anything, it's that he won't step up and take care of his kid. And I'm glad that that's the thing that she is mad about, if anything, you know? So, yeah. So I I liked that that played a point in that played a part in the story, um, that his past kind of catches up with him a little bit. Um, So their story is set off by Jessica finding this rare Russian icon that only she recognizes as being worth anything. Um, How do you think this kind of plays as a theme throughout the rest of the story? It's interesting because... I think it coincides quite a bit with, you know, it was this kind of, when she found the painting, or I guess it's a painting, yeah. um, was dirty and dingy and no one could see the value in it. And that's kind of obviously a metaphor for him where mm-hmm. he was evil and everyone thought he was just this horrible, dark, they all referred to him as Satan. And I mean, there was a lot of satanic imagery through the whole story and um everyone was afraid of him even he thought of himself that way Mm -hmm. and um you know he thought he was too big and he was too harsh and and... yeah yeah you know and then she got the painting all cleaned up and it was worth so much money and everybody wanted it and that's kind of a metaphor for how he transformed in the story as well Yeah. And I like that throughout the story, you know, because he is so deeply scarred by this, you know, by his dad and his, the situation with his mom and that he can't believe that she's interested in him for any physical reasons. And obviously he's not very nice to her. So like, why is she interested in him? But she's like, no, he's hot. I want <laughs> like great body. I, I want to run my hands all over his body. So I like that aspect of the story that he like can't understand what she sees in him. But she's like, bro, you're good looking. Get over it. Um, so yeah, I just I thought that was kind of a nice um, interplay with the with the Russian icon um, that she does have this talent to kind of see the worth of something and that sometimes things just need a little cleaning up kind of like with Dominic as well. You know, she's, she's dealt with all these dirty little grungy boys that she talks about with her brother and her cousins and things like that. And so, um, she's kind of able to see the thing within the beast, so to speak. Um, so I liked that that was kind of there in mirroring the, the story. Now I'm the one that's flummy. Okay. Yeah. Stop that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. There is obviously something about Jessica that that Dane reacts to right away. Um, What do you think that is? What is it about her that makes her stand out to him? You know, because he talks a lot about not being, ever being interested in a quote unquote lady. And he spends a lot of his time with prostitutes that he can just kind of pay and move on so what is it about her that well he doesn't she's not even like he usually likes voluptuous women and she's not exactly voluptuous and and um 
I would say it's probably twofold because she's a lady, but she's also extraordinarily intelligent Mm -hmm. and, and her, um, dialogue, you know, the way she speaks is she's very intelligent. She doesn't talk. Well, she comes up with all these plans to like manipulate him and things like that, which is awesome. He's also into. So I think it's her intelligence accompanied with her pureness, you know, her sweetness. Yeah. I mean, or her, so it's not just that she's a lady, but it's that she's a lady, but she's got a brain and she's, that makes her a lot more interesting. Yeah, I think it's those things. And then I also think it's paired with the fact that she's not scared of him or, right. you know, she doesn't back down easily. Um, that he can kind of throw insults her way and she just fires right back. And I think that he's never met anybody really, like man or woman, that, you know, he surrounds himself with yes men and prostitutes. So I think along comes this woman who, you know, is just like, I'm not going to take you being a jerk to me, so let's do this. And, you know, she literally shoots him at one point. Um, (laughs) So I think all of that, he is, is kind of a turn on for him. Yeah, Yeah. I, I, I agree. So there is some confusion between the two of them during their quote unquote courtship. For example, when they are seen together in the garden, he walks away and this leads to her shooting him. Um, Do you think he solely did that for his kind of devil-may-care reputation or that there was something else going on? Well, (laughs) these are some of the things that made it hard for me to warm up to him because he was, he seemed so selfish for so long. Mm -hmm. Usually a lot of times in these books, they're selfish and horrible. Then once they meet the girl... They never want to be with another prostitute, and they never want to, you know. Yeah. They their lives have changed because they've met her, and she, she's all he can think about. And that's not really the way this one played out, and it made it harder for me to warm up to him a little bit. And that was part of it is when he walked away and um, just kind of left her there, half you know, with her clothes literally undone. He didn't even stay to like help her. Zip up her dress, which I know they don't have zippers. I don't need you to tell me I'm wrong. Button up her bodice. (laughs) But whatever it was, because his friend had to come out and put his coat around her because she was, you know, her dress was hanging off of her. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know if he did that on purpose, but he couldn't have possibly have known she was going to come and shoot him for doing that. Yeah. So I think that, I think that everything that he did to her that could be construed as like, him being a jerk, which he is a lot in the early parts of this book. Um, It all comes from something that some perception of himself that, you know, she would never want him. She wouldn't want anything to do with him. And um, that he could never find happiness with another person. And also that specific scene of him walking out the garden I think is he thinks that he's being set up because he's had experience with this in the past. Um, I'm not saying that to excuse him, but I like that because she's so smart, she starts to kind of put two and two together and is like, okay, when he's rejecting me, it's for a reason because I know that he wants me. Like, let's, let's just move on from that. Like (laughs) he's made that pretty clear. So like, let's figure out what it is that's going on that's making him still like turn me away. And I really liked 
I think that's why I dislike her so much because that is sometimes really frustrating in a romance novel when it's like homegirl, you know that he likes you. Like, let's figure out why he's acting this way. Um, So I like that, you know, she does that, which is what me as a romance reader, I'm always like, just figure it out. And she does. And I like, I like that. Um, so I don't think it was solely for his, like, maintaining his reputation. I think he's just very damaged, but that she was able to kind of figure out that that was what was going on. I, I agree. Liked. Yeah. Yes to all those things. So there's a lot of talk about Jessica trying to change Dane. Do you think that she does change him, and do you think she actually does want to change him? Yes, I think she wants to change him, but I don't think she wants to change him for her. I think she wants to change him for himself. I think yeah. she realizes that he's rather tortured and that he has some things he needs to deal with. And she just kind of helps him, pushes him to where he needs to deal with those things and get past them so he can be a good, loving person that she knew yeah. he could be. I think that, she, yeah, it's kind of similar to that. I don't think she necessarily wants to change him. I think she kind of wants to heal him. And she realizes he's acting this way for a reason. And I think she likes kind of a lot of the more hard-edged things about him. I I think she likes that he's kind of grumpy and, um, you know, not very uh, forgiving with some of the things that he says. I think she kind of likes that because it has a lot of interplay between the two of them with those things. Well, and and I think, too... I think we can relate a lot to that because our family's a lot like that. I mean, yeah. we, we, um, there's a lot of banter in our family mm-hmm. and, um, it's almost like if we were super nice to each other all the time, we would wonder What's going what was on? wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like a way of showing. Some... <laughs> <laughs> Why are you being nice to me? Um, <laughs> So it's kind of, if he changed that, it would, she would feel like he didn't, you know, well, love her as much. Well, I love that one point in the book when she's trying to punish him and she just starts being super nice to him. Like, that's her way of punishment. Is she like, just she just agrees like, with everything he says. And... Yeah, and, you know, it's just <laughs> it, this sweet little angelic wife and it's driving him nuts and I love that. <laughs> just pisses him off. But I love that he's like, I can't explode or I'll lose her because, you know, if I react too strongly, that will push her away. Well, and I also love when he says something to her about, you know, oh, I'm afraid I'll lose you. And she's like, you're not going to lose me. I'm not going anywhere. And then she just (laughs) moves on. It's like, it's not a big deal. It's not. She's like, that's not going to happen. And then she just goes on with her conversation. And um, so it's just like she just brushes that aside because that's just not even an option. Yeah. I Yeah. There, there's a few instances of that, and I love that. And that's kind of more of the, like, she's not going to let him get away with anything, but it's also, like, she's not going to find out anything about him that's really going to be a, a deal breaker. Yeah. Um, and I, I always, I just, I, I really liked that about her. I think, like, she was definitely, like, my favorite part of the book. Like, he's great and all that, but, and ends up being great, but I, I really liked her as a character. Um, so this is our last discussion point, and I just I had to highlight this because it was so perfect. Um, at one point, Jessica says, "In my dictionary, romance is not maudlin, treacly sentiment. It is a curry spiced with excitement and humor and a healthy dollop of cynicism. I think you will eventually make a fine curry, Dane, with a few minor seasoning adjustments. 
So let's discuss how this is totally our outlook on romance. <laughs> well, I mean, it must be a lot of people's outlook on romance because most of these books, you know, they're not quite, and which is, I think, what a lot of people who don't read romance novels think that they are, are just mm-hmm. these sweet, syrupy, sweet little novels. Um, I was actually don't... talking to someone the other night about getting you into romance. I'm like, I think she thought that all romance novels were either mom porn or Nicholas Sparks, which right. does, I think, fall in more to the maudlin, treacly sentiment. I mean, most romance, if not all, is not that, I don't think. Oh, there's there's usually some kind of other spices thrown into the story, and yeah. it they're never... Rarely, in fact, some of them I've read and I'm like, oh, okay, that was cute, but, you know, but most of them are pretty, there's some kind of challenge going on within the story and some kind of, you know, dire problem that needs to be solved. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I thought that was like very, because both of us don't much care for the movie The Notebook, which we get a lot of crap yeah. about, but it's because of this. We don't like the model and treacly stuff. We like right. it. It's got a little bite. And a little humor and, you know, things like yes. that. Some cynicism. Some cynicism. Yeah. <laughs> Any other thoughts on Lord of Scoundrels, Mom? Not that I can think of. I, as always, because I always do this, I looked up the cover of the book because I don't have access to the cover of the book on my Kindle. Well, and there's some old school covers for this one. And this is an old, there is some old school covers because it's been around for a while. But a lot of them, it's like. No, they need him to look more Italian. It was bugging me that they had these, you know, sandy-haired models being yeah. him. It's like, gosh, come on, people. So I did have problems with the covers, but I always do. That's just the name of the game, I think, with you. Um, so those are our thoughts on Lord of Scoundrels by Loda Chase, and we would love to hear from you on our Facebook page, the Goodreads group, our Twitter, which is at NotYourMom'sRom, or you can email us at notyourmomsromancebookclub at gmail.com. So if you want to read along with us and email us your thoughts, or if you would like to suggest a book for us to read, we'd love to hear from you. Speaking of, I asked people on Twitter for a recommendation of a good penny read type contemporary, since that seems to be mom's jam. Um, <laughs> and the one that seemed to be recommended and echoed the most was The Wall of Winnipeg and Me by Mariana Zapata. So that is what we are going to discuss next time. We'll pop mom's proverbial sports romance cherry. Um, (laughs) I haven't read it, mom, so it could be pretty dirty. So gird yourself. So for now, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the differences in how mom and I approach the genre, given our different ages, etc. So stay with us. Now that we are reading contemporaries, we needed a new break time segment, and people conveniently sent us messages this time. Like I said, we got a lot of new feedback and things with the Penny Read book. So this is our new mail time segment, um, <laughs> named in honor of my brother who made music? us watch a fair amount of Blue's Clues when, we, when he was a wee little lad. Um, so our first message came to our email, notyourmomsromancebookclub at gmail.com. From Katie, and she writes, Hi, Ellen and Mom. I listened to a few episodes of your podcast today while it's cleaning after seeing the link to it from Penny Reed. Y'all are funny and remind me of myself and my mom. Although the closest we've come to both reading a romance novel is Outlander, which is kind of sort of romance, but not really. Agree. 
Also, I'm a lit major who read and still reads. Same, girl. All the important literary stuff, but is really a romantic at heart. I only recently got into a bit of romance reading, but I'm already a well-established Hallmark movie lover. See, there's more of us, Mom. Um, <laughs> so I'm with you on that one, Ellen. The 2017 holiday movie preview just came out, and I am excited. She inserted periods after I am excited. Um, and I'm right there with you, Katie. I've already got my DVR full of Christmas Hallmark movies, so... Um, if mom is making a gagging face and I am criticizing her, <laughs> it was actually Penny Reed who got me in. Okay. This is back to Katie's email. It was actually Penny Reed who got me into reading romance. I read knitting in the city first and I like those Winstons, but I think I love the Chicago friends a little more. I'm going to agree to disagree a little bit, Katie, just because I love, I love the Winstons. Um, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but knitting in the city is just one POV and I think I like having the dual POV, but I still love the knitting in the city. And mom will probably eventually read that. Um, so then she says, anyhow, I have a recommendation to offer and I'm wondering if you can do the same. Aside from her books, the two contemporary romances I've loved the most are Lucy Parker's Act Like It and Pretty Face. They're really smartly written, like Penny Reed's books, and there's a lot of great banter. Plus, London, so lots of British stuff, which mom and I can definitely get on board with. Um, she says, so basically I haven't been able to get into historicals and I'm wondering if there are any that are comparable to reads in writing style, smart, funny, but not super steamy. I mean, I don't mind a little, but I like the slow burn as you call it with a lot of growing to love the characters. Anyway, enjoy the podcast. I'll keep listening. Katie. Um, so thanks so much for the email, Katie. Uh, mom and I actually already talked about this and it is a tough question. (laughs) Um, just because I can think of some that are kind of comparable to Penny Reed in terms of like the smart and funny, but then the 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 not super steamy throws a little wrench <laughs> in the works. Um, I would say probably the best and safest bet is Julia Quinn's Bridgerton series. Um, she's she's very funny. Um, the books are a lot of fun. Um, I really like them. But there are a couple, especially there's uh, Francesca's book. Francesca's book is the, is the raciest. Yeah, but, and um, it's just it's like super steamy out of nowhere. And I was like, Julia Quinn, I didn't know you had it in you. Um, <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. This is the other problem is I've become so desensitized I that know. I feel like I try to think of which ones are not steamy. And I'm like, oh, that's fine. And then I recommend it to mom and she was like, no, that was pretty steamy. I'm like, oh, gosh. Well, and the other thing too is because even when I read the Winston books and then I was listening to the audio, I was like, yeah, they always sound, it always sounds worse than when I'm reading it. I think it's because I kind of go through them pretty quick when I'm reading yeah. them. But then when they're saying it to you, it's just right there in your ears while, you know. <laughs> Which maybe you like with the te- sexy Tennessee oh, voice. With the, with the Tennessee sex voice. Um. <laughs> Other ones that I think are really smart and funny are Sarah McLean and Tessa Dare, especially Tessa Dare. She's very funny. Um, but those are definitely both on the steamy side, especially Sarah McLean. Yeah. Tessa Dare was the first ones that I had mom listen to, and we were listening to it on audiobook on a road trip, and I was just like, fast forward over through. steamy scenes. Cause it's like, why are you this, fast forwarding, Ellen? Why do you need to fast forward, Ellen? <laughs> Um, 
But yeah, and then the other person that I thought of historical that's not super steamy, but also maybe I'm just misremembering, Joanna Shoup. She wasn't too steamy, right? No, hers weren't too steamy at all. Um, I, I can't remember if her... I liked her books. I can't remember how the banter was in them. Yeah, I don't know how like smart funny they are. They were they were smart and a cool like take, but so yeah, so I would definitely start Julia Quinn if you haven't tried her before. Um and she's also just kind of like a Hall of Famer, I think, so right. probably a good place to start anyway. But just know that they do get steamy in some parts, especially some yes. of the books get a little steamier than others. And Julia Quinn definitely goes by our formula of the 20, 60, 80. Yeah. So mom and I have this theory that like, it's like 20 to 30%. They always have like the first steamy kiss and, or depending on the steaminess level, they have oral sex. Let's just put it out there. You know, a little fondling. Yeah. 60% they have full blown sex. And then, like, the 80% sex is the, like, we love each other sex, like, the making love sex. Right. And most of them seem to follow that pattern. They've all met and had a meeting, and they've all just <laughs> Okay, 206080, here we go. <laughs> decided that that's how it's going to be. So there were times I would text Ellen, and I'm like, I'm at 60%. <laughs> and I'd be like, gross, I don't want to hear that. Um, so Katie, I hope that kind of gives you a starting spot. If you have read Julia Quinn and you did not like her, let me know. Shoot me another email and I'll try and find something for you. I'm more than happy to help. Um, so our next message came from our Facebook page and it comes from Christy. She says, can you make some recommendations of series that are historical romance? Maybe some great series to start with. I love listening. Your podcast has quickly become one of my favorites. Um, So another historicals, mom. Um, So this is actually somewhat easy for me and mom because when mom started reading a year ago, uh, lest us not forget that I've created a monster, that the people that I kind of started mom with were Julia Quinn, right? Sarah McLean, Tessa Dare. And then I think another good one, if you like a little more, um, not angsty, but a little more serious is Kerrigan Byrne, which you liked those books, right? Oh, now. yeah, I did like those. And, yeah, and Julia Quinn, I would always say start with the Bridgertons. Colin Bridgerton's book is probably one of my favorites. Uh, Sarah McLean, you'd have to do the, I, can't, I don't know the name of the series. I never Yeah, it. it's the, she has the Love by Numbers series, which is the one that you would have to start oh, that's with. that's right. That's and the then, free. And then read and then... the uh, Fallen Angel series. But it's not called Fallen Angel series, it's called No, it's else. not. What is it called? But start with her Love by Numbers, which is like eight rules for... But Sarah McLean Love by Numbers series is the one to start with there. Julia Quinn, uh, Bridgerton's Tessa Dare, Spindle Cove, I would oh, say. Oh, I love the Spindle Cove books. Yes. Yeah, and there's like a healthy amount of those, and they're all a lot of fun. Um, and then Kerrigan Byrne, I don't remember... Oh, it's like Victorian Rebels or something. And the first book is The Highwayman. I think those would give you a good um, kind of variety of historical different kind of approaches there anybody else mom that you can think of that Uh, i like the maiden lane series the first book wasn't my favorite though yeah that's (laughs) that i took a it took me a while to get into maiden lane um because i didn't love the first book but it does get really good and that's elizabeth hoyt yeah but the the first book is kind of dark and broody but once you get 
into it a little bit, it, they really get fun when they've got the, um, and that's got that those have a little more mystery involved. Yeah. So if that's more your speed, that would be a good way to go. Um, so yeah. So thanks so much for your kind words and questions. You too could have your question read and answered, probably not satisfactorily, um, by us. But if you <laughs> a lot of want, and hawing. <laughs> but if you want to, just get in touch, and we'd love to hear from you. And so we'll talk to you next time. Thanks. And we're back to talk about how Mom and I approach the genre a little differently. She, as a mature married woman in her 50s, that's safe to say, right? 50s, Mom? And I'm 56. <laughs> I have no problem saying I'm 56. <laughs> and me, as a 30-year-old single, uh, we'll just put that out there, virgin. So um, I've talked about that before. No use beating around the bush. Uh, so, Mom, you suggested this as a topic. So how do you think that we approach it differently as our at our different stages in life? Well, I, it kind of came that the, the whole idea came to me because when I was thinking about the Winston Brother books and I was thinking, well, I bet there's not other women. I bet, you know, the 20 year olds don't read it thinking, I want to be their mother. <laughs> Their poor mother is dead and they need a mother. So uh, I have a feeling that's a different approach yes, to some I've of Yes, I've never these once thought that about the Winston Brothers. <laughs> but, um, but I've never felt that way about a historical romance. And so maybe that's a um, – like I've read a lot of horse, historical romances and I've never thought, those boys need me to dress weird and be their mother. <laughs> I need to go put on a bustle and be their mother. I probably, I don't need much of a bustle. (laughs) I think there's a lot of, well, we've talked before about how a lot of the sex scenes I'll read through and I'm like, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. And um, it's not that I'm embarrassed by them. It's just that, you know, I... Been there, done that? (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I don't get worked up about it anymore at this stage of my life like I used to. So... (laughs) So there's a thing, but I do love the romantic parts of it. So mm-hmm. I think I'll always love the romance and the chase and um, the witty banter. It's always mm-hmm. our favorite. I don't think that I picture myself in these books. You know, it's not like I picture myself as the heroine dealing with this guy because, you know, they're always younger than me. Well, not always that much younger than me which we've talked about before. (laughs) Some of these guys are um, older than they should be. But, um, and there's probably books out there that are written about people my age. I don't know if I'd enjoy them as much, but um, I I think that I approach it differently because I never, you know, picture myself in there. It's kind of like male movie stars. Like I can look at a Channing Tatum or a Chris Pratt and think, He's a handsome guy, but I never think to myself, man, I'd like to get him. You know, it's. <laughs> so you were not like me when Chris Pratt, it was announced he got divorced and I was like, oh, that's sad. But that means he's available. <laughs> that means he's available. Because <laughs> I, I mean, let's face it. I'm, you know, old enough to be their mother, literally. And so it's not like I am thinking, oh, I'm going to give me some of that. <laughs> but I can look at him and say. Because you would have a shot, mom. <laughs> You know, they might be cougar hunters. <laughs> Shut up. You're awful. But, um, <laughs> I'm not, I don't, I wouldn't have a shot either. It's fine. <laughs> but I can look at them and say, There's a, that's a nice looking young man. 
I enjoy looking at that young man. Um, <laughs> but that's kind of how some of these books are. It's like I don't picture myself as the heroine in the book, but I can sit back and enjoy the story. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. So I would say I'm probably definitely living a little more vicariously. Not right. necessarily just the sexy times, but, um, you know, like the more falling in love portion. Um, and I'm probably coming at it with more hope for like myself and like, oh, this just makes me like feel good about humankind and like the state of love. I don't know how much I like picture myself as the heroine necessarily. Um, I'm more just, you know, like a nice love story because it just makes me happy and, you know, feel nice. Yeah. Just when you, and like I, when you brought up this topic, I was like, well, how do you think I'm reading it? <laughs> Well, I don't want to get too TMI. I don't want to know what you think I'm doing with these books. I don't want to know what goes on when you're reading these books. (laughs) But um, (laughs) I don't know. I just, approaching it from my age level, I don't really put myself, you know, picture myself in the story. But um, You don't picture dad as the the Dane? (laughs) No. The fact that you're laughing as hard as you are <laughs> should answer your own question. Sorry. <laughs> love you, Dad. No. Um, I love your father, honey. I do. Anyway. Um, yeah, I think I think also the my lack of experience part probably plays like a different factor than probably most romance readers. I think most romance readers are probably more experienced than me um so so that could also play in but I don't really want to get into it too much about what that means for me (laughs) um so I think all of yeah we all come from but you and I kind of like the same things in a romance story in general just because of the way you raised me I would say right we have a lot of similarities yeah. And we like we I like a good banter. We do. And I think that that's kind of why we both like historics because well like when we made our trip to England, we had to go to Hyde Park because Ellen wanted to see all these places that she'd been reading about. And this was before I started reading romance novels. Mm-hmm. And so we had to go to Hyde Park and see the Serpentine and all that because Ellen had been reading about this in her books. There were, there were a few other... places, remember when we were traveling around London and things, I was like, oh, that's in one of my books, but you won't care because, <laughs> you know, you haven't, you don't, you're too good for romance novels. I um, guess we need to make another trip down, back to England now oh that I've gosh. read them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, just kind of a funny story that sort of goes along with this is when mom and I went to England, we had so many people that would say like, oh, you two are <laughs> sisters, right? And I would be like, you know that that's insulting to me, right? <laughs> no, it's just that I look super young, Ellen. Yeah, that's uh-huh. what it is. I look yeah. super young. <laughs> <laughs> sorry that you weren't. Sorry that you're insulted when the guys are trying to be nice and make it sound like they knew who was paying the check. That's why. Yeah, they that were was. I think to... one guy finally, like, when I said that, I said that on to like the third guy, and he's like, "Yeah, but I know who's who's paying for dinner." I'm like, "Well, that's fair." <laughs> 
All right. So I think that's going to do it for us for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, if you would like to join us for The Wall of Winnipeg and Me by Mariana Zapata in two weeks, you can subscribe on iTunes or Google Play. Find us on Twitter at NotYourMomsRom or on Facebook or Goodreads or email us at NotYourMomsRomanceBookClub at gmail.com. All right. Thanks, Mom. Bye, Ellen. Bye.